before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests and which deliver their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is Within the Barrens. Alright, we are good to go. We're good to go! What'd you guys think? Did you have fun? And uh, I know uh, some of you guys said you haven't seen this before, but I just want to know from a show of hands, who saw this for the first time tonight? Oh, great. Look at that. I, I love seeing that every time I, I do these events or anything like that, where people haven't seen these movies. I know this is a newer one. Um, it was limited release last year. Mm-hmm. Very limited release in theaters. Waited a whole year, almost. Then we got a physical, and now you're on another you know, tour. Of showing the film, so um, thank you, Stephen, for wanting to do it with me tonight. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for coming out. This is great. Um, but one thing that I don't know if I asked you this before last time that we spoke, but why a Grinch parody? Who? <laughs> I've never heard that word before. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, you know, I- I've always uh, felt that. Children's drawings, children's art, old cartoons, whether it's you know professionally made in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, or just like I used to be a teacher, you know, so the drawings that kids would make were inherently creepy, right? It's like, oh yeah, you know, hand-drawn crayon art freaks me out, right? And so some of these artists, especially the subject material uh, for this film that shall not be named, um, you know, kind of, uh, I thought and I said, well, if you had a big green monster who was you know like the yeti or like bigfoot who lived on a mountain and who had teeth you know yellow teeth and red eyes and was really pissed off about christmas well that sounds like a horror movie to me yes Um, and so you know i kind of took my uh favorite eight or nine jokes that would riff off of that premise and uh you know put together this sort of fake the trailer and I thought, well, surely there's no way we could have more than like two minutes worth of comedy from this concept. And one thing led to another, and we have a whole feature film here. So, yeah, and it's great. Uh, this uh, was, I think, my fifth time seeing this. Movie. Oh boy! So being able to see it in theaters again, because I was lucky to see it before, but now to be here with you and with people who came up to support this film for you and. Everything was amazing. Um, I know everything, well, what's probably on a lot of people's minds is how did you get David Howard Thornton? Mm-hmm. Yeah, David. Uh, David's awesome. Today's his birthday, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, David's great. So I actually went to high school with the producers of Terrifier. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're all from Staten Island, New York, uh, repping the main streets of Shaolin. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, they had been producing, uh, you know, I left them on the East Coast and I went West um, to seek fame and fortune. And so basically, you know, I had seen Terrifier. 
I knew they were working on T2. And I said, um, you know, once this movie started to evolve, I said we needed someone who could really give a big sort of theatrical performance, um, nonverbal, of course. Um, and we, you know, I had seen Terrifier, and I spoke to my wife, Amy, who is, uh, also plays Mayor McBean in the film. And I said, what about uh, this David guy who plays Art the Clown? I know Terrifier 2 is coming out. They speak so highly of him. We revisited Terrifier, and we're like, Man, he gets the hacksaw out, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. So they, to and they had told me some of the stuff they were doing in Terrifier too, and so we said, yeah, let's uh, let's reach out and see if this is something he'd be into. And it turned out he had actually played this character, who shall not be named, um, in the actual productions before. So he was really familiar with the source material. He read the script. He was super into it, and uh, you know, we talked to the schedule, and we were able to get him to come through and, and be in the film, and he's. He's just a blast. I mean, the first time we had him on set, in the makeup, in the wardrobe, he did, uh, his first day was the finale sequence, right? Where he's like, rubbing his hands and he climbs out from uh, inside the, uh, the fireplace. And he came on set and he rubbed his hands. And you know, I think the sequence, he did a dance that didn't make it into the movie. And then he did kind of like a pose and uh, we called cut and everyone started clapping. And he's like, how was that? And I'm like, yeah, I did pretty damn good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, David's a blast. You know, I've had him on the show a couple of times and trying to talk about this film and hearing his background of what he did, you know, on, on stage and everything with, you know, the character of this film mm -hmm. was amazing. And now to see him in multiple, you know, non-speaking roles, but able to really sell himself as a character without saying a word. Yeah, that he's grunting in this, and he may say something at the end of this movie. If you listen closely, but it's muffled. Um, he's just—he's amazing, absolutely amazing. He's great, and you know, when we make a, an independent film, you know, we don't have big, huge studio budgets, right? We're we don't have uh, you know big trailers, and you know, sometimes we're in the woods or in, we're in locations. I mean, Terrifier One is in a, any any number of asbestos-filled, horrifying <laughs> warehouses, yeah. and you know, you have to kind of know what you're getting into when you're going to get into an independent film production. And, uh, you know, he's cool wearing the makeup. He's cool being covered in blood. I mean, the, um, there's a bunch of stunts that he had to do. He had a, a, a killer double um, who, you know, we had and was on standby. And they kind of worked the movements together. And, uh, you know, Terrence, our stunt coordinator, kind of worked them through the fight choreography and everything we were going to do. Um, but there was a number of times where he said, can I try it? Can I try to do one? And, you know, David ended up doing a lot of stuff that, maybe he shouldn't have even done because you know they were really stunty like performance heavy yeah. relatively dangerous yeah. things and he just brings such life to the character that um, it was he's just a blast to have on set every day with david is is great and then when we get to screen the movie and meet audiences and stuff it's it's awesome we have so much fun together that's awesome and um i've, I've had my time with you multiple times on my show so i want to open it up to the crowd and if anybody has any questions um i can either run to you or you can shout out or however you want to do it, but we have a few questions, time, a few minutes for everybody to um, ask some questions. Uh, right in the back. Hey. Yeah, that yeah. you, Misty. Okay. Um, so what did the Grinch say? Who? <laughs> Sorry, I've never heard that. The mean one at the end of the film. Ah, yes. The um, well, he uh, the one word, the one thing that we would allow the mean one to uh, to say um, was go. Yeah, he's telling her to go, 
um, because he is, uh, you know, he knows his heart is uh, about to explode and he wants to protect her, um, you know, so from uh, having his, his heart grow three sizes and, you know, getting blood all over her. So he tells her to go and um, he turns over and he kind of uh, jumps on the grenade, if you will, and steals uh, so her life. So that's, uh, yeah, that was the last thing. Uh, well, I guess could be the last thing he said. Or if that roar makes you think that maybe he's still alive. That could be that could be the last thing he said. Uh, yeah, right over there. Um, I, yeah, the the heart explosion is the best poetry I've heard in a long time. But uh, at the when you were talking right before the film started, you talked about how this started as a kind of silly idea. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like as a creative person, um, you know, you probably got a million silly fun ideas a day. What's the feeling process inner process of like oh no this this silly idea is becoming a thing like let's let all right let's let make it into a, a not just a silly idea thing thing you know what i mean yeah I, well i mean really i mean you hit the nail on the head right like as a creative as an artist if you will um you know it's it's important that you're like kind of in tune with your ideas and you know the things that come to you it, sometimes it starts as a bad joke Right. Sometimes it starts as um, a concept or a sketch or a little doodle. I mean, the Ninja Turtles were very famously sketched as a joke. Right? What if a turtle was a ninja? Right? And you draw it, and, and you just have these ideas that, like, you know, this was the, the third thing I would always pitch. I've had this idea for maybe a decade now, mm -hmm. and it was always like the thing I really wanted to make a backup idea in case they had they like were already doing it or didn't want that first thing. And then the main one, parody, right? Like, and it was always just like, well, they'll never say yes to the third thing, but that was always my third thing. If they didn't like the first thing, they didn't like the second thing, you got anything else? They'd be like, oh, I mean, green monster, business, <laughs> you know, then, and you know, so it's just kind of that, you know, those ideas that you have that you just won't go away, right? Something about that and you tell somebody, and you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, the premise makes them chuckle. Um, so I always advise people, you know, Good, bad, or otherwise. If you have an idea that you just can't let go of, it just like keeps bothering you. It's like stuck on the bottom of your shoe, right? Like it's just something about it that you, you can't let go of. Um, pursue it because you never know who else you know might find that idea interesting and may you know might want to see it or see it get made or or go to see it when it's done. Um, yeah, so I'm just kind of like a, a conduit for. My, what I think are my bad ideas, and if other people laugh at them, great. Let's do it. Let's make more bad ideas. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anybody else? Tim? Uh, were there any certain ideas or jokes that you had to be told because they were a little too close to a certain unnamed book? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I mean, there are, um, there's a number of uh, the gags that they put into the set dressing, right? The, uh, the red fish and the blue fish. I mean, there's a Ham and green eggs, not the other, not the other way. Um, you know, on the menu. I mean, there's a, you know a reference to sneeches on the stars. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, there's Geisel whiskey in there. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. I think BuzzFeed or Screen Rant did an article like all the Easter eggs yeah. in the movie, and I was like, oh man, someone went to go see. There's a bunch to to catch them. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I think the yeah, there's a couple of jokes that we cut. The most, the one that I'm the most sad to see go. I'll tell you this, is um, I have a cameo in the film 
at the end of the movie when we're doing kind of that like leprechaun reference, you know, who saw the mean one in the trees or whatever. But I had another cameo in the film. So the bartender in the bartender scene was actually in the Universal Studios version of the thing that shall not be named. Oh wow! Um, yeah, she was. She played one of the two women that found the little baby version. Really? Yes. Yeah. I need to go back and watch that. Now. Yeah. So she's actually in that other thing. Um, and so in that scene, we added in. There's a, a a moment where I appear as myself, and uh, the shots that she's holding in the tray. We clink the glasses together and we do the shot. And because we're drinking Mike Finch's whiskey, I look off in the distance and I say. We're going to get in so much trouble for this. For drinking the whiskey, not for making this movie. And uh, when we got our notes back on, on the film, you know, um, thankfully I had a lot of creative control, but we did get some notes on the film, and they said, if you cut nothing else from the movie, please take out the part where you admit you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> because if you admit to knowing that maybe you're doing something not on the level. Sure. Um, we in the legal world refer to that as evidence. Um, so <laughs> you're building quite the case against yourself. So if you could not put a confession in the movie, you could leave the rest of it alone. Um, and I was like, all right, fine. So that's the one thing that they made me cut. Um, and uh, probably wasn't supposed to talk about it, but here we are. So there you go. Movie's out now. What are they going to do? Um, yeah, so that's the one thing that they made me cut. That, oh, and uh, the dog. Oh. It was a scene, there was a whole, he had a dog and I, a monster and... I do have to admit, like, yeah, knowing was, that this was a parody, I was really hoping we were going to see a dog. Yeah, well, we got him in the in the toy, you know, yeah. was the way that he did end up making it in. Um, but in the concept reel, I had a puppet that we built and I had sketches and stuff and, and they were like, they were like, no. I said, uh, not now or not yet? And they were like, <laughs> well, surely... This will never go anywhere, and you'll never get the chance to make another one. And I was like, okay, that's fine. All um, right. So if there was to be another one, I'm not saying there will, you know, there will definitely be a dog in it. Okay, awesome, awesome. <laughs> um, anybody else? Any there audience? is one over there. Yeah, I have a two-part question. Sure. The first part is, what was your, uh, I guess I would say, favorite memory for making the film? Mm -hmm. What moment on the movie came together really well where you thought, this is amazing? And then on the flip side, what was the most challenging and unexpected aspect of making the film? Hmm. Um, well, I, I'll start with the the most challenging and unexpected, which would probably be that um, we, not the polite way of saying ran out of money is, but we, uh, you know, when you're making an independent film, I mean, we had just called in every favor. I mean, you know, anyone that I've ever worked with is in this movie like tacitly endorsing this, you know, very challenging and difficult production. Because we, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources and we had to shoot really fast. Um, and so kind of getting to the 14th day of our 15 day shoot and finding out that um, there wouldn't be a 15th day at lunchtime was kind of a challenge because we hadn't shot the last scene of the movie. The very last scene of the film was was like the only thing that we had to do on day oh, wow. 15. And so we come in at lunch and they're like, guys, um, I don't think we're gonna we're not gonna be able to come back and do the 15th day. And I'm like, so you want me to shoot the end of the movie in the two hours? And they were like, well, two hours would be great. One hour would be better. Um, <laughs> so that last scene of the film. Every single shot that you see, 
um, in that like final Christmas Village thing uh, had to be planned that morning and was shot in, in one take. So there are no, there's no additional footage for that final scene. I think it turned out pretty well. Yeah. Um, but that was a challenge. Um, uh, a shooting the cave, the cave was built in the writer's house uh, of paper and cardboard and stuff. So that was a challenge. Truly, if you watch the documentary, you'll see footage of the giant fire hazard we built in his living room. <laughs> um, and then I think the thing that came together the best was the SantaCon sequence. You know, that sequence had, uh, you know, falls and pad and blood and, you know, every stunt performer that I know, you know, coming in and, and doing favors for me. And we had to shoot this, we could only afford the restaurant for just one day. So we had to shoot that whole sequence, which is like a whole horror movie's worth of kills, like 14 people, an inflatable tree, I mean, all this crazy nonsense in, in one day. And, you know, I think I had no less than five conversations with the stunt coordinator, with the DP, with the crew of like, guys, we're not gonna be able to do this. And everyone was like, if we fail, we fail together. Yes. And so we went into it, you know, just uh, like, there's no way we'll complete the day, but we'll, have a, we'll make a good plan, we'll get as much as we can, and we'll do our best. And about uh, just before lunch, halfway through the day, the, uh, the DP walks up to me and he's like, Steve, I think we're going to be able to get everything. And I was like, shh, don't jinx it, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> and everyone's like, we're not going to do it. I'm like, I know, but let's just keep going. And we got to the end of the day and we shot every single thing that we had planned, plus a few bonuses. And That's we awesome. got that sequence, which is like my favorite part of the whole movie. And I couldn't be more proud of it. So. Well, I mean, that's great directing, people that you know you can trust, and everybody is really putting themselves into this thing to make it the best possible. So congrats on everybody on your crew for this film, man. Thank you, thank you. I mean, look, the, you, know, you have an idea, especially a crazy idea, especially a challenging idea, monsters and stunts yeah. and guns and you know, not enough time, not enough money, will we get shut down or sued or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, to get awesome people together who you know, believe in you or believe in the idea and say, yeah, I'll run around the woods with you for a couple of days. Yeah, I'll come do a backflip off a trampoline in a sexy Santa suit for you. You know, <laughs> um, you know all that comes together. And, and we just had a blast making this movie. So to see other people, hear people laughing or, or see them enjoying it or you know, yeah. see it dubbed in other languages, playing in theaters around the world, it's like wild. That's crazy. It's wild. And um, we, a little indie movie that could. A little indie movie that could. And we're, we're just so glad that... Uh, you know, so many people are get to be a part of it, and we made some people smile. And you know, I, the crew and I—I I mean, it's a tiny crew. I mean, we have celebrate Thanksgiving together. I mean, we, you know, most of us live in Los Angeles. We go to each other's events, and we support each other. And you know, we made this movie kind of for us. And so to have other people be a part of it and enjoy it is—it's just a dream come true. It's—it's it's really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we have time for maybe one more question. If everybody had fun. Oh boy. No one? That's it. They know, right. they know it all. Have a fun one. What's your uh -oh. favorite Christmas horror movie? Oh, my favorite Christmas horror movie. Oh, man. Aside from this one, which I enjoyed. So, <laughs> um, yeah. hmm. My favorite Christmas horror movie would have to be, um, you know, I really, I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I really liked Krampus. You, you're in my mind right now. Because <laughs> that's my favorite. And As I, of right now, I can acknowledge that you know it has a, its its quirks, but because it's not just one kind of horror movie, it's got the little toys, it's got the big monster, I mean, and yeah. it's got the, all the winter sequences. With, I mean, I I really dig. Killer Gingerbread. 
That's what you can't go wrong. It just it's so many things. And yeah, Krampus for sure. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with him. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and to see this film. And now you're here and for another treat of seeing the documentary before anybody else. Um, so thank you so much, Stephen, for giving everybody a gift of that. But if you uh, want to go out and you know talk to Stephen a little bit more and watch a little bit of documentary, you feel free to do that. But thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you to Cinema Salem for uh, letting me host here. And thank you to Stephen and to Amy. And we all really, really wish her to uh, feel better. So thank you guys so much for being here. Seriously. Yeah, the, uh, thank you all. The documentary, like I said, is about 40 minutes. If you've ever seen the Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us, um, it's uh, in the style of that. So it's uh, silly, it's goofy, it's tongue in cheek, it's very similar in tone to the movie. And if you want to see just how uh, insane me and my friends are, um, this uh, you know documentary will give you a little window into it. So uh, for anyone that's going to stay and check it out, please enjoy it. Um, I'll be outside in the lobby now and also after the documentary um, as well. Yes. And uh, yeah, come say hey. Thank you all so much. Thank you.